Let's all fold our hands to pray. Heavenly Father, we're amazed. We're amazed at the energy. We're amazed at the beauty, Lord God, of your creation. We thank you that we're all here, Lord God, that we've all come to hear about freedom. Heavenly Father, we ask that the hearts in this room, including this, would be open to hear your spirit and hear what your spirit would say. Lord God, please bless us and be with us as we hear and we talk about what freedom is. In your son's name we pray, amen. I need you guys to show me with your hands who's got a cell phone. I do. Who's got a cell phone? Raise them up high. I need, I need a show of hands. Who's ever sent a text message? Who sent a text message? Who lives in either Ontario, New Jersey, California, or New York? Raise your hands. Who has ever, who's ever driven drunk? I don't think, I don't think I ever thought about sending a text and driving was ever a big deal. I never thought it was a big deal.
knows the significance of September 12th, 2009? Besides, besides the fact that it's after September 11th and before September 13th. 2008. September 12th, 2008. Does anybody remember? You know? What happened? You remember it. What was significant about that day? Robert Sanchez started an 11-hour shift at 5.54 in the morning. He was doing a double shift. By 8 o'clock, 8.45, he had sent 45 text messages. He started his afternoon shift at 3 o'clock. He got hungry at about 3.30, and he ordered a sandwich. Not a big deal. Except he was in charge of a 250,000 pound engine. It wasn't a regular engine because it was an engine that was carrying 15 other train cars. At 413, there was a light that went on in front of him that said red, that said stop. Kind of an intricate tunnel system that they had in California. It was only big enough for one train, so when another one's coming in the other direction, they gotta tell one, they gotta tell one train to stop. So the light said stop. He didn't stop. A minute later, he sent five text messages. Between the last one he sent and 22 seconds later, a lot happened. 18 seconds after he sent send on his text, another train was coming in the other direction. That train, powered by two 500,000 pound diesel engines. Robert's train was going at about 70 clicks. And what happens when a train that's the quarter of the size of the other one? And they collide head on. That million pound train ripped through that Metrolink engine in cars like it didn't even exist. The doctor said when they got in there, there was blood everywhere, there were bones, there were bodies. So they just started covering people with white cloths. See, Robert's train didn't even try to slow down. Four seconds before impact, the Union Pacific train said, stop, there's a problem. Robert, being responsible for his train, didn't even know what hit him. 
Because of that accident, they buried him and 24 other people. I got a cell phone. I didn't bring it today. I know a lot of you got cell phones. They're probably on right now. No doubt. Somebody in the back just sent a text message to somebody in the front. I know that. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to tell you to turn them off. Because I barely turn mine off. But what I will ask is that you listen. That's all we're going to ask. How many of you think of your cell phone as a freedom? It's something we all have, something we can use at any point in time. It's not free, although some of the plans try to maybe get us to believe that. But we have a lot of freedoms that we pursue in our country, Canada, U.S., our countries that we live in. It's all about freedom. Our lands are called the land of freedom. And so we tend to pursue a lot of things. And there's someone in the Bible that you would know of that followed a similar pattern. He pursued a lot of things. We know him as Solomon, the wisest man on earth. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, actually the book of Ecclesiastes details his pursuits to very intimate detail. And in chapter two is a summary of all the things that he pursued as some of his freedoms. And maybe because he was not only the wisest, but the richest man on earth. He went out and he did great works. He built the most gorgeous and elaborate temples and buildings ever imagined. He built gorgeous gardens and vineyards. He did with pools and waterfalls and the most gorgeous thing you can imagine in your mind. He went and got the best servants and maidens. He had possessions of cattle and sheep and horses and everything the the wealthiest farmer could could imagine times 1,000. He had silver and gold like none other that has ever lived since that point in time. He was so great, it says in verse 9, and increased more than all they that were before me in Jerusalem, and his wisdom remained with him. And his conclusion, when he he looked at it, close to the end of chapter 2, he says, and there's nothing better for a man than he should eat and drink and should make his soul enjoy the good of his labor. And he saw that this was from the hand of the Lord. How many of you have that same concept today? that you have, that there's nothing better. There's nothing better to enjoy than to enjoy the fruit of your labor, to work hard, to live life, to party, to have a great time, to buy whatever your heart desires, to go after it. This is from the hand of the Lord. This is what he has given us. So let's enjoy it. That's what Solomon's perspective on things. And if we go to almost the end of his book, In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, it talks about how 
he says, rejoice, O man, in thy youth. Let thy days cheerly in the days of the youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of thine eyes. Go enjoy all these things. That's why they're there. It's your pursuit of freedom. It's you, you're allowed to do these things. And in many ways, for those of you that, that are Americans, in many ways, that's what the forefathers of the United States had when they created the Constitution. Part of the Declaration of Independence that many of you have studied, hopefully in school, talks about that we were endowed by our Creator with some unal unalienable rights. Do you know what some of those rights are? What were the three rights that we are endowed by our Creator to do? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's part of the foundation of our country is that we can pursue these things. Can you identify with some of the things that Solomon did and some of these pursuits of happiness that he sought after? I mean, hopefully not with the concubines and all the wives that he had, but many of the other pursuits that he pursued, the freedoms that he chose to do. And I think if I look at myself, my life, and, and maybe you're in that same state too, where I wanted to become a Christian. I wanted to follow Christ. I wanted to pursue Christ. But in my pursuit of happiness and liberty and life, I didn't really quite realize that I was rejecting Christ. I thought I was doing both. I thought I was pursuing Christ and pursuing freedoms and, and what I wanted to do at the same time. And I thought that was somehow possible. Until I kind of realized, well, wait a minute, I have to choose. Either I'm going to choose this or I'm going to choose that. I can't pursue two things at once. Particularly two things that are in opposite directions. So what type of pursuits and freedoms are you running after? Is it friends? Is it family? Is it school? What is it? What are some of the things that, that make up your pursuit? If we think of our lives in little boxes, we like to do that, right? We like to say, this, I'm going to concentrate on this box right now. I'm going to concentrate on this box at another time. I'm going to maybe put God in a little box over here until I'm ready to deal with him. We all compartmentalize our lives according to this. And I wonder how many times we do that. Think of the different boxes that make up you. Think of the different pursuits and, and freedoms that you're, you're going after. And each one of these is going to be a little different. You're going to find yourself in a different spot. For you, some of these boxes are going to be a little bit bigger than others. Maybe they're going to come in a different order than some of the other, than these boxes. But you're going to find, hopefully, yourself in here, in this box, and what makes up you. Maybe it's treasures. Maybe right now in your life, you're all about treasures, about clothing, cars, video games, makeup, jewelry, Whatever it happens to be, buying a nice house if you're at that stage, which I, probably not too many of you. Um, but maybe thinking ahead, oh, I'm going to have this gorgeous house up on the hillside, and I'm going to have this, and I'm going to have that. It's all about treasures, about building up and amassing wealth like Solomon. Maybe 
Maybe for you, it's all about careers or education. Because in order to get a good career, you've got to have an education. So right now, you're concentrating so much on your schooling that other things go on the wayside. You don't have time for church tonight because I've got to study for my exam. I don't have time to, to go to here because I have to study. Maybe, maybe your education is, is the thing that's driving you. Maybe it's your social network. Maybe it's all my friends that are out there. Maybe it's my family is so important. And I'm going to concentrate on that little box in my life right now and pursue that because that's what I think is the most important thing right now. Or maybe it's a career. Maybe you've gone past the point of education and it's all about a career right now. I got to work. I got to make a living. I got to work 50, 60 hours a week in order to pay off all my debts that I've accumulated because of my treasures. Or I just love work so much that it's consuming me. Or maybe it's relationships. I got a guy, I got a girl. That's the most important thing to me right now is a relationship with somebody. And so that consumes me. And that takes over who I am and where I am at. But it's a freedom. Or maybe, maybe it's church. Maybe church is something that I'm pursuing right now. I'm concentrating a lot on being a good person. And I'm going to church, I'm being there all the time. I want to make sure that that, that is so important to me right now. Or maybe, maybe last of all, maybe, maybe God, maybe at some point in time I'm ready to open up to God and, and, and pursue that for a little while, but that's somewhere down the line. It's not really something I'm too, too worried about. And, and think of it. I know my life, and as Glenn and I were talking about the topic, we like to take this little God box and just carry it along with us. It's small enough we can do that, right? And I can still pursue my treasures and, well, I'm just going to ask God to maybe bless it as I'm pursuing these treasures. And so I'm going to put him in my treasure box. And when I want him and when I need him, I'm just going to take him out and I'm going to talk to him a little bit. But then when it's time for me to instead work on some relationships, well, God, I hope you give me a nice person, but I really like this girl. I hope this is okay. And we tend to take God and, and put him in our boxes of life, that whatever we're having to pursue right now and, and, and have the freedom in doing and just hope that because God is, we've taken his little box and put him in there, that everything's going to be all right. But God isn't like that. That doesn't work like that. He created something that I think most of us realize and recognize. There's a cause and effect to everything in our life. And if we think that we can put these pursuits in boxes, these freedoms that we can take care of in boxes... We have to realize that to every action, there's going to be a cause and effect or an equal and opposite reaction. Sir Isaac Newton said in his third law of physics, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. He was a pretty smart guy. For all of my pursuits, there's an equal 
in opposite reaction. But Ecclesiastes says, I'm young. I want my pursuits. I want my treasures. I want my boyfriend. I want my girlfriend. What does the end of the verse say? Does it stop there? But know thou, for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. I want my treasures. I want my car. I want my clothes. You want your treasures? Take the credit card bill. Take the collector's calling. They don't give up. You use their money, they want it back with interest. You want the clothes? Go ahead. They're out of style in three months anyways. So what happens in three months? Got to get new clothes again. Guys, you want your cars? I did too. Had to upgrade my turbo because you know what? My cousin got a faster car. I needed to lower it because I needed 17s. Then I realized I need 18s. I got the Caminari body kit. You know what? I wanted the Bomex body kit after that. Then after all that time, I realized, what am I playing around with this car for? I need a faster car. There is a price for your freedom. I wanted a relationship. Why? Because I wanted it. It was my right. It was my pursuit of happiness. What's the cost? Satan says, I want you to give up your purity. Because you love this person. It's okay because you love them. The cost? Start adding them up. Breakups. STDs. Not being able to share that with the person that's right for you. To every freedom, there's a cost. It was my freedom to pursue whatever I wanted at whatever cost. So whatever I left sat by the wayside. You see, I wanted my relationship, so my family suffered. Because I said my relationship is more important than my family. It wasn't a cost. It was my choice.
I got Facebook on my phone. Anybody else have Facebook on their phone? I got Facebook on my phone because I need it on my phone. Because when I'm driving and I want to be able to wall my friend, I don't want to have to wait till I get home, boot up my box, log in. I want it on my phone because it's my freedom. It's my choice. I want it. But for me, it didn't stop there. Because I wanted other things too. I didn't want just Facebook on my phone. I wanted to go out with my girl. I wanted to go to a club because I wanted to do it. I was free to live life. But it didn't stop there. Because I wanted to get drunk. Why doesn't it stop there? Because I wanted weed. And I kept telling myself, it's my freedom. It's my pursuit of happiness. There was a time. I didn't do that, I promise. But you guys are awake. That's the good news. I had all these pursuits. And until I started adding up the credit card bill, the cell phone bill, the cost of having a girlfriend, I didn't realize that I didn't have a choice because all I wanted was my freedom. And I wanted my freedom at any cost. Whenever you pay for one of your pursuits, it's not just money out of your pocket. It's not flushing away your purity. It's not the time. But there's hidden costs. I didn't even want to know about the cost. I wanted it, so I worked for it and I got it because it was my freedom. I didn't know the hidden cost for everything I was paying. It's like at the bank. You know, you look at your statement. And you see at the end of the month, you see you got some money, you paid some money. You got some money, you paid, 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 paid. And then at the end of the month, the bank says, thank you for doing business with me. That'll be 25 bucks. Then I think, they're my bank. And they say, to pay somebody or to put money into your bank, that's going to cost you 25 bucks. For every price of your freedom, there's not only the cost, but there's a hidden cost.
That was me. Sitting there in my freedom and having no choice. Why? Because the only choice was to serve myself. You see, I was caught in my own freedom. It doesn't even make sense. Why? Because that freedom had chains all over me. It had chains because everything I did, every box I wanted, consumed me. I wanted a relationship so bad, I could care less about school. I wanted a career so bad, I could care less about church. Everything I pursued consumed me to the point where it actually brought me in chains. There's a story in the Bible about a man named Lot. In Genesis, the Bible describes two men, Lot and Abram at the time, that had so much wealth that they said, we can't even live in the same area because it's busting at the seams. You got so much, I got so much. The only thing that makes sense is that we separate our ways. So Abram gave Lot a choice. He said, you choose the left, I'm going to go to the right. You choose the right, I'm going to go to the left. So Abram take, Lot takes a look to the left, takes a look to the right, and he sees the plains of Jordan, as the Bible calls it. And there was a city in the plain of Jordan that was called Sodom. And he looked over there and he said, wow, doesn't that look good? Doesn't that career look good? Wow. Doesn't that girl look good? So he said, I'm going to go to the left. But I know that city is bad. I know that guy is bad. I know what I might do. It's probably not good for me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to step back. I'm not going to go there. But you know what? I like this view. So I'm going to choose it. And what the Bible says, Lot set up his tent and was overlooking the plain of Jordan. A few chapters later, there was a war. There was a battle. And this man, Lot, was captive by the other army. And the Bible says that he was a captive because one chapter after he set up his tent, a chapter after he set up his tent, he was a citizen of Sodom. 
So in one chapter, he took his tent, packed it up, and he said, you know what? That city looks so good, I want to move there. Five chapters later, two angels go to visit that city. That city was, as the Bible calls it, desperately wicked. So God sent two angels to go to that city. And to get into the city, they had to pass through a gate. Who do you think was at the gate? Lot was at the gate. So he was a gatekeeper after five chapters. And a gatekeeper at that time equates to, in our words, a judge. So in five chapters, six actually, he went from setting up his tent, looking at the city, to being a citizen, and then being a prominent judge in that city. He asked the angels, where are you going to stay tonight? Stay at my house. And the angel said, no, we're going to just stay in the city. The Bible says they were going to stay in the streets. Lot knew how disgusting that city was, how wicked it was. And he said, no, angels, stay at my house, please. So I said, okay, we'll stay at your house. The Bible says the men of that city found out there were two people, new people, at Lot's house. So they surrounded the, the, his house. And the men said, we saw you have two men in that house. We want you to bring them out. And this is what the Bible says, because they wanted to have sex with them. That's how disgusting that city was. And Lot said, no, don't. He knew there were angels of God, and he said, no. Spare the angels. Take my virgin daughters. Have them. The Bible said Lot was vexed. And vexed in those terms means he was worn down. That city had worn him down. And his pursuit of freedom had worn him down. That he was even ready to give his daughters away to the men of the city. In exchange for the angels. I wish the story stopped there. I really do. Because it shows how disgusting man can get. Brother Mark and I couldn't even made up this story because it doesn't stop there. Later on in that chapter, they had escaped his family because they knew the city was going to be condemned by God. So in Genesis 19, they escaped to a cave and his daughters say, our father's seed will stop here. So it was their freedom to give whatever they had to give. And the Bible uses the word drunk. He was drunk with wine. They gave wine to their own father. And 
for the first night. It was two nights. First night, the older daughter, it was her freedom to sleep with her own father to preserve his seed. Genesis 19. That wasn't enough because the younger daughter had her own freedom too. And the next night, they got him drunk again. And the younger daughter slept with her father. Their freedom, freedom, freedom sounds pretty disgusting. In 2 Peter and in 2 Timothy, we have some encouraging news. There's a revelation that we need you to see, that we saw, that in their freedom and in my freedom, when that was the only choice, the Bible says in Second Timothy, that I and them and you are in the snare of the devil and are taken captive by him at his will. Presentation's not over because there's a black screen. And I need you to focus on that black screen for just a couple minutes. Just stare at the black screen. You find yourself in a real cold place. It's kind of wet. You're sitting on the floor. And there's this smell. Can't really figure out what it is. But there's this disgusting smell. You move around and you hear the sound of chains. You see that the shackles on your hands. You touch the wall, and you only wish it was a wall, but you feel cold steel against your hands. You're in a jail. You're in a cell. You look around, and the guy next to you is laying on the floor. He's shaking, and he can't stop. You can count every bone in his body. He's thin. He's ready to die. You look in the other cell and you see somebody laying in their own feces. You see, they can't even get up. But they're going to the washroom all over themselves. 
and you realize this is a disgusting place. The only light you get is from a little window in your cell. And it's open. And today, in the distance, you hear the laughing and the screaming. Because somebody's being tortured outside. He's being whipped. And everybody's laughing. In your cell, you hear in the distance a familiar sound. You hear keys clanging. And you know that sound and you hate that sound. Because that's the jailer. And he walks by and he sees you in your cell You see his keys and you're just hoping, today, let me out. Let me out. And he looks at you. He says, you're pathetic. And he keeps walking. Out of your little window, you see that the sky is getting pretty dark. You're thinking it was a nice day. But you see the black clouds rolling in. In the distance, you hear the thunder. And you realize somebody's getting executed today. It's getting darker and darker and darker. You get up and you go to the window. And in the flashes of light from the lightning, bang, bang. On a hill, you see three crosses. It's execution day. Lama, Lama, Sabatani. That's what you hear. It's finished. The ground starts shaking. Start shaking more and more. Then bang, the doors come wide open of your prison. You look down at your hands. The shackles are gone.
you look up. And you know you're free. You're free. And this time, you're really free. Because when you thought you were free, when I thought I was free, I was buckling on the chains. I wanted my freedoms. I wanted my pursuits. But they consumed me. Until I saw the cross. And the door open is a choice. It's a choice, and it's your choice. Nobody can let you out but you. You want the freedoms? Take the costs. But remember, the choice is yours.